Don't, <clears throat> don't drink the Kool-Aid. I think that's the phrase Pope Pius XI had in the back of his mind when he instituted this feast that we celebrate today, Jesus Christ, King of the Universe. Okay, so that phrase didn't appear in the encyclical that accompanied this, so it wasn't that exact phrase, but that phrase, what that means is ultimately believing in something that's not true that ultimately does me harm. So the year was 1925, so this feast is a relatively new feast day in the church, comparatively to the other feasts that we have. But in 1925, Pope Pius XI instituted this feast to kind of respond to the increased secularism and nationalism that was going on throughout the world. We know, of course, in the early 20th century, countries like Mexico, Russia, and many parts of Europe that had these atheistic regimes that were on the rise. And these atheistic regimes threatened not only the Catholic Church and her faithful, but also civilization in general. And there was an overall, there was an overall doubting of Christ's authority that was increasing. There was an overall doubting of the church's authority. And so when that happens, that leads room for tyranny to rule, tyranny of, of fear, tyranny of a mob. That's what led to, of course, we know, a to a lot of death. It led to a lot of death and a lot of destruction. One of the problems that when secularism is on the rise and it becomes just more and more part of the, the society, the way one thinks, the way we operate, that it, we can end up thinking certain things that are not true that actually do me a lot of harm, even things within Christianity, us Christians. And so in other words, I think in 1925, Pope Pius XI is saying, stop drinking the Kool-Aid and put Jesus Christ as your king. A lot of similar things, have, of course, are happening, going on for us today, secularism on the rise. You have tyranny of, of mobs, of wanting to treat religion as insignificant, or trying to just to, to brush it out of the way completely, and overall doubting Christ's authority. And so as Christians, we need to be careful not to drink the Kool-Aid that's being offered to us. And so with our readings today, I think it highlights, and what I want to highlight are two cups of Kool-Aid that are being offered to us in our current climate today, then also, secondly, to pose a question for us to consider. The first cup of Kool-Aid deals with obeying God. Our gospel today, here on Christ the King, this year is taken from Matthew 25. Matthew 25, the beginning of this passage, gives us the context of the entire passage and what it says, when the Son of Man comes in glory, so Jesus is talking about the final coming. He's talking about the end of times. And then, secondly, when it talks about the nations being gathered before him, he's describing the final judgment that's going to place at the end of time for everybody. And then he uses this image, imagery, Jesus does, of using this imagery of separating the, the sheep and the goat. And he's not explicit here, but what's implicit is that the sheep are the righteous ones, those who listen 
to the, and are obedient to the will of God. And then you have the goats. They're the wicked ones. They're the, the prideful ones that, that refuse to do the will of God. And what does God do? He separates them and he casts judgment upon them. They're judged in, by what they do and what they don't do. So it turns out obeying God is kind of a big deal. Like listening to what God says and obeying him is important. But I think you wouldn't know that in many ways with what has seeped into kind of this false idea of Christianity in many ways even. There's an ever stronger movement for this progressive Christianity that resembles more of what I call an atheistic Christianity, meaning it's like, yeah, I believe in God, but it really doesn't matter whether or not I obey him. It doesn't really matter whether or not I, I, I listen and I'm obedient to him. A recent Pew Research poll showed that 90% of Americans would say that they believe in, in a higher power or a spiritual force. When asked if they believe in God, that dips down a little bit, 10%, 80% of people say they would believe in some form God. So broadly speaking, it's not the concept of God that gives people problems. What gives people problems, and I think if we're honest, even what gives us problems, is a God who is king. The one who says, I own you. The one who says, you must submit to me. You must be obedient to me. The one who says, I must have control over every aspect of your life. The one, who's, the one who judges. That's the Christianity that I think is ever more as secularism rises kind of to be, be pushed out of the way and a false Christianity is promoted, encouraged, feels a lot better. We say Lord all the time. We say Jesus Lord in the course of this liturgy, this mass, numerous times at the rest of this mass, we're going to say Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Lord, hear our prayer. Over and over and again, we'll say Lord. Matthew 7, 21 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the ones who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. In other words, obedience to God is, is a big deal. I can't just mouth the words. I need to be obedient to him. One more spot I want, I want to read Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verses 2 to 5. It says this, Obey the king since you vowed to God that you would, calling him Lord. Don't try to avoid doing your duty. Don't try to avoid doing what is right, following him. And don't stand with those who plot evil. In other words, don't stand with those that are offering another form of Christianity. For the king can do whatever he wants. Why? Because he has supreme authority. He's king. His command is backed by great power. No one can resist or question it. Those who obey him will not be punished. 
Those who are wise will find a time and a way to do what is right. If I'm not striving to obey God in his ways, to be obedient to him, then he's really not my Lord. He's not king. And what it is, I'm ultimately, I'm ultimately accepting or I'm drinking this cup of Kool-Aid of this other Christianity that's being offered to me that, that leads ultimately to death. The second cup of Kool-Aid being offered to us deals, deals with death, specifically of how we view it. Our second reading, Paul in Corinthians, again, the context is the end of times. He says, Christ has been raised from the dead, for just as in Adam all die, so too in Christ shall all be brought to life. Everything is subjected to him, even death. As Christians, we are not to fear death. We profess that the Son of God died, so we don't have to and not to fear death. The secular world pushes something completely different than that, outlook of death. To be scared of, to, to be scared of it. And the secular world that lacks Christ's authority, the danger of not seeing things in their proper order becomes really high. And it becomes, it becomes a temptation for us. So, so to be clear, the spiritual life is more important than the physical. That is not to say that the physical is not important, but it is to say that the spiritual is more important than the physical. Now, that's not a COVID policy statement here by Father Mark, right? So don't send any letters to me or Father Dindo. They'll probably send them to you. Sorry. Um, it's just what we believe, it's a biblical worldview that the spiritual is more important than the physical. That life, health, we would say all temporal things are subordinated to eternal things, eternal life. That's why it's so hard as we see this past week, the last couple of days, more places around the world now that are closing doors of churches throughout Europe again for the second time in lockdown. Churches, Catholic churches in Canada, Is, is it not what we believe? And I remember getting mocked once about this, of saying this earlier in the first lockdown, that what's essential for us is receiving and, and, and feeding upon him. What we can, which is so important for us here as Catholics, is receiving the Eucharist. The spiritual is more important than the physical. Not saying that the physical is not important, but that the spiritual is more important. I, 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 you know, with regards to the churches of, of crunching numbers and looking at since, the, since when we did open up after the lockdown, we've had somewhere around 300 masses here, celebrated here at St. Mary's, right here, 300. Over 30,000 times has somebody received the Eucharist, 30,000 times in the last number of months. We know people have been here that have had COVID while they were here not knowing it. But we don't know of any cases of, of any time COVID has, anybody has received COVID from here, let alone there being an outbreak. So we want you to feel comfortable here. 
and keeping, you know, criticism with, you know, the side of keeping churches open is like, well, you don't really care about the safety of people. Well, I think it's important to say, and well, important to say as priests as the church, as I was talking to Father Dindo in the rectory a little bit ago, saying, remembering the way we felt before we knew more about COVID than we do, or we know now more than what we did before. Like, we were scared to death opening up of like, or just worried about the safety, keeping everybody safe when we were open up, losing sleep, losing sleep. I did at Our Lady of Mercy prior to opening up. Father Dindo said he did here. But it's important for you to hear from us that as your priests, we are more concerned about your spiritual health than your physical health. That is not to say we're not concerned about your physical health, but it is to say we're more concerned about your spiritual health. So as we approach Advent, as the church encourages us as we begin the month of November praying for our dead, we end the month of November thinking of our own death. The church encourages us to think of our own death. And so as we do that, as we approach Advent and we're having more reconciliation times, more confession times, opportunities for confessions, that if we need to, if we have deadly sin on our soul, to, go, to come to confession. With these increased confession times that we have coming up on Wednesday evenings at 6 o'clock, and if we're not comfortable with that, a call, we'll, call we'll, we'll come out to the car and hear your confession. Because, again, the spiritual is more important than the physical. To place more importance on this life than the life to come, when that happens, the tyranny of fear rules. The chief goal in this life is not the preservation of our own life at all costs. The chief goal in this life is eternal life. That is, placing God as Lord and King of our life. Which leads to the question I want to leave us with this week. Do I treat Jesus as a king? Like, have I submitted fully to him who is king? Every aspect of my life who wants to own me to be my Lord. He doesn't, he doesn't want it. He demands that we submit every aspect of our lives to him. Or when I say Lord, and if we're honest, if I'm honest, what parts of me when I say Lord just p- play lip service a little bit? Am I obedient to him in every way? Am I obedient to his authority Do I do whatever he says even when I don't like it? Or do I treat him more like a consultant? Do I treat him as a king? Do I trust him? When crazy things happen in life, things that I don't understand, do I trust him and say he knows best because he's king, he's my king? And it's important to say, he's not a tyrannical king. No one loves the way he loves. Because no one did for you and for me what he did for you and me. 
going to the cross, giving us freedom, giving us eternal life. That's why we treat him like a king. That's why we submit to him. We trust him. We're obedient to him. So don't drink the Kool-Aid of what's some other form of Christianity that is being posed our way, but rather treat him as a king.